Welcome to season six of the RAG podcast. Now, for those of you who don't know, the RAG stands for Recruitment Agency Growth. And this show has been around since early 2019. And every week, we are obsessed with finding out how the world's most successful and innovative recruitment agencies and their founders have got to where they are today. In season six, alongside the founder's story and the inside information of that business, I also want to focus on the reality of today's economy. There is so much noise about this inevitable recession that we find ourselves in right now. And where it's going to go, is it really having an impact on the recruitment sector? Are they seeing any change in job flow? Are they seeing any change in candidate control or activity? What is going on? I want to find out. So every single week, I want to forget the propaganda, forget the noise. I'm going to speak to a real life recruitment owner and find out what is going on in their business. I'll bring it to you every single Wednesday from 12 o'clock across multiple platforms. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome back to season six of the RAG podcast. It's great to be back on your on your screens, in your ears and bring you a whole host of new guests. On today's episode to kick off the season, I believe we've got the first Irish agency and Irish person we've had on the show. If I'm wrong, correct me, but I can't think of anyone at this stage. A guy called Ed Rossiter is co-CEO and co-founder of Phoenix Search, which is a professional services, financial services, and tech recruitment agency or agency headquartered in Ireland, started in Dublin, but they also have an office in Limerick where Ed lives. And now they've got an office in London and they're moving to the US and Europe. Now, what I love about this guy is he only started in 2018. So it's like four years old, already at 45 headcount uh, and growing. And they've just took 1 million euros investment from their initial backer to scale the business with another 250 hires over the next three to five years. So Ed is trying to grow something rapidly with structure and process and quality. Um, in this episode, you're going to learn some really practical tips on how you can get your business ready to go from 10 staff to 50 staff and then 50 to 100. In a year's time, Ed predicts to have 100 staff and be in the US with multiple offices. He's not messing about. The guy's only 33. He's got, he's got a young four-month-old four child. Um, so he's got so much going on personally and professionally, and he's given us the time to, to share it all today. So... Without further ado, Ed, welcome to the RAG podcast. Sean, thanks for having me. Pleasure. Season six, episode one. You're the first person. How do you feel? So much pressure. So much pressure. <laughs> no it. way. Off. Mate, you're, uh, what, what, what an episode. What a guest to have on season, season six. And I believe you've listened to a lot of the episodes in the past. Big fan. Big fan. Fanboy. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, it's it's. I think there's a lot of value. There's a lot of learnings that I've taken from from listening to these podcasts. I know quite a few of of our team listen to them as well. So um, yeah, it's been great to see so many wide ranging stories over the last five seasons. So there you go. Amazing. Well, Ed, as I said, I'm I'm delighted to have you on, mate. And if you do me a favour, obviously there will be people that know you, and obviously I've just done an introduction, but I've, I always ask you to do your own, right? So. Just the bird's eye view of you in the business today. Explain it. Sure. So founder, co-CEO of Phoenix. Uh, I set up the business in late 2018. Yeah. So we're approaching our, our four-year anniversary. Um, 
was me, I guess, for 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 the initial nine, ten months. Um, my co-CEO and business partner was on maternity leave at that stage. Right. So waiting for her to, to come back into the business or start the business with me. Um and from there it's been two or three key employees at the start to I think we've just gone over 45. We'll be 60 by the end of this year, 120 by the end of next year, and 250 plus hopefully by the end of 2025. So um that is insane insane plans of growth. Well yeah. let's let's go back a bit. I mean, oh and just 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 tell us who Phoenix are and what you do. Yeah, so we're specialist recruiters uh, in professional services, financial services, um, and tech. Um, we do a lot within, you know, leading law firms, advisory firms, a lot of fintech and tech companies as well. Uh, we do have commerce clients, so industry clients like uh, retailer e-commerce and that kind of stuff as well. But uh, typically speaking, it's within the professional side of those appointments. So accounting, tax, legal, risk compliance, um, tech sales and tech marketing specifically. And now we have just established our software engineering desk as well. So, Wow, there's a lot going on there then. So you can kind of he- you can help people across most of their core disciplines. Is that is that the kind of vision? That's really it. I guess we, we we've did a lot of research into the markets that we were going to serve as we we're setting up. Um, if you look at a very basic level, you know, in good times and bad times, people need lawyers and, and accountants. Uh, mm. So they typically focus on different things depending on where the market's at. Um, tech is an area, I guess, that kind of organically grew. Um, once we won a few key projects, we, we stepped into that space pretty quickly and have done some really good work there. Um, obviously, that's a bit wobbly at the moment in terms of the market, but um, from a general perspective, you know, a lot of our staff are, are actually professionally qualified. So they practiced in law, uh, worked with the, the big four accounting firms and tax or are qualified accountants by background and stepped into the world of recruitment. So I guess there's just a level of, of depth uh, to understanding of, of what we actually recruit for. And, you know, there's quite a few people in the business that would be very, very comfortable speaking with the, the biggest CEO um, in, in the markets, in their, their respective markets, because they can hold conversations with them at depth, which is, um, which is great. It's a big plus. Like it. Yeah. That kind of conversion of an industry expert into a recruiter, it's like, you know, it's the holy grail, I think, personally. Like, if you can, because they come in with networks and knowledge and understanding at a level that you can't buy. You know, you can't, you can't get that. that even a recruiter can never get that from mm. the sector. Um, but you can then, they can develop everything a recruiter can develop if they've got the right. It's often finding that one or two gems that can actually communicate in a certain way. You know, accountants that typically quite introverted. You know, they're like blue on the scale of color charts and stuff, but. Occasionally, you find the really outgoing accountant, don't you? The one who can really, and they don't even have to be that outgoing to be a recruiter. But you, every now and again, you get that one, and you think you're wasted sat behind spreadsheets. Like you, you could be fucking awesome doing this. Totally. Um, my, my business partner is a, a lawyer by background. Investment hmm. fund was her thing, um, you know. And she's we're very different. Um, we complement each other very well. It's a bit of a yin and yang situation. Like she's super compliant and operations focused, but incredible with clients and relationships as well. Probably I'm more on the commercial strategic side. So mm. um, she likes to say I'm the accelerator and she's the brake. <laughs> so uh, we work well together. So if we have a, if I happen to have a, a crazy idea, she's usually the one that gets me to talk through it with logic. It's usually the other way around. It's usually the one who's more 
client facing and sales who's like the accelerator who's like and the, the, the kind of operational person is usually more of a break going hang on so it, would you say are you still client facing or are you more oh, yeah, yeah. so yeah. I, I'm, I'm mostly sales mostly right. sales so um so ruth is, is actually on maternity leave uh, as well at the moment so um i'm kind of everything at, at the moment um doing her job poorly <laughs> and trying to keep my one uh, as as good as it was so it's um yeah, it's challenging. I guess we just complement each other very well. And, you know, we have a good mix of, of people at, at senior leadership level across the business now, across all our offices, across the UK and Ireland. So um, as a leadership group, I think there's um, a good blend of experience, professional experiences, experience, recruitment experience, which works quite well. All right. So I want to I want to make a statement and then I want to go back. Right, so okay. I, wanna, I, wanna, I want people who are listening to this point to realize, right, you've literally just taken one million euros of investment to hire 250 people, like you say, by 2025 or whatever, and you're looking at growth in the US expansion, right? So there's, you're at 45 now, did you say? And yeah. you want to tweak that, you know, that that is where I'm heading with this conversation because that is incredibly aggressive and, and optimistic yeah. and exciting and complex and all sorts. But before we get into that, just so sure. people don't don't leave, don't leave us. Stay with us, right? Um, <laughs> let's go back and do the. So, tell us. I don't want to go into your recruitment career too much, but how long were you an a, a consultant before you started your business? Um, so I started out in 2012 uh, in right. a regional office. Yeah, it was actually with um, BDO, the accountancy practice. They had right. an exec search division or, or team that they used to work with their clients on behalf of. So, um, just got a shot. Took it, um, really liked it, and then ended up moving into Morgan McKinley, obviously a big brand. So I decided at that stage, if I was going to do recruitment, let's get into a, a recruitment brand. You know, obviously BDO have a lot of different divisions. Recruitment isn't one of them. Um, so uh, Morgan McKinley um, was a great place. Yeah, really enjoyed it. It's actually where I met uh, my business partner as well, Ruth. Was that in Limerick, was it? Yeah, so that was Limerick 2012. Midst of the recession in Ireland, which basically imploded the country, um, wow. it was scrappy, I would say. But thinking back, it just forced you to be really good. Um, and if you got what an opportunity... that recession in 2012 in Ireland? So, sorry, it was still the aftermath of 20... Still the aftermath of GFC, right, okay. Because yeah. that's yeah. when I went... I moved to London in 2012. Mm. I started in recruitment in 2011, moved to London in 2012, September. So, right now... 10 years ago, I yeah. was about, I started on the 4th of September. So literally right now. And the market, I remember being, you know, we'd just come out of the London Olympic Games and it was fucking, things were good. Like they were, they were we had a really good period when I was in, in London. I think four or five years of, of great guns. But yeah, a couple of years before was, was painful. So it was still scrappy even when you got into it. Yeah, I think there is a mixture of reasons why, you know, like you're, you're saying there, London, obviously, big financial hub, major city. Dublin was probably coming out of it. And I think 2013, you started to see the majority of, of Ireland come out of, you know, the aftermath of, of, of that, which was pretty heavy. You know, I was still in university at the time when it really hit. Um, I thought it was was fine. You know, it just made stuff cheaper <laughs> because I was in college, which was which was great. So it didn't really land until you got into the working world. Um and I couldn't get a job. I couldn't get a job stacking shelves for, you know, merchandising for, for um, big retail brands. You know, there was people with 20 years experience getting those jobs because no, no one had any, a, a job. So, um, 
decided to to do a couple of my own little ventures to get the experience more than anything and you know it was never going to make you uh, a living but it gave me experience that I just wasn't going to get elsewhere and I didn't want to do the whole Australia thing a lot of my friends moved there um we have um, a really good uh, visa with the US in Ireland for students called the J1 which means you can spend your summers in the US yeah I've done that. I was on that J1 once yeah 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 so we spent a, a whole summer in, in California which is amazing um the guys going to Australia probably viewed it as a long longer version of a j1 so uh, i just wanted to get out there you know done what were you doing uh, i set up a, a, a lifestyle magazine so um it was university focused so we'd have you know headline um acts for for interviews um obviously updates on upcoming events and we used to to do a launch party for each magazine at, at, um, issue so uh, we would have, you know, Court Light or Heineken sponsor it. We get a really good band, one of the major bars in the city. It was really cool. We were doing about ten thousand um, uh, magazines uh, a month at one stage. Wow. So, um, and I was on the sales side, so I would get out, get the advertisers, so we could pay for the printing of the magazine. So, just forced you to do things that maybe you weren't totally comfortable with, but um, gave you a taste for running something. Um, and it was interesting. You know, it pro- probably got me into the. So that was you when know, you were a student. That was before recruitment, was it? After, after, after uh, university, before I got into recruitment. Yeah. Um, so, so when you were in recruitment, then when when was the? Like, it sounds like you had an entrepreneurial flair already. Like you're doing shit like that, and you you know, when did you know you were going to start your own firm? When was the? Can you remember that moment when you were like? Yeah, I, th- I think pretty quickly into recruitment itself. When I started out with, with BDO, I decided you know I, I really like this, but I want to play in the the bigger leagues, I guess. So that's what brought me into the Morgan McKinley's um, regional office. You know, you were constantly seeing the big numbers that the 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 big billers were doing in Dublin or or, or globally. Um, you just didn't have the opportunity in 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 the regions, so I took an opportunity, I guess, to get a promotion and move to Dublin and uh, kind of rebuild the accountancy and finance team there under a really good director at the time uh, who was moving to, to Dublin as well. So that's really kind of where it kicked off. And, you know, once I grew a network up there, I said, you know, I'm going to do this myself in time and progressed up to management plus level in, in Morgan McKinley. And the big gap, I guess, was the the operational side. So I didn't know how to run a, a business of, of any kind of scale at all. I didn't really understand how to, um, you know, do finances or forecasts or anything like that. So I needed to see a small place in action that I can be closer to to, to all of that kind of stuff and have a, an impact on it and see if I can actually shape shape it. So um, by chance was, was just offered a, a role with a small boutique agency, you know, it was run by husband and wife, um, said did um, big ambitions but didn't didn't turn out to be that way I guess um always viewed it as a, a two-year run where I could learn as much as I could and go do it for myself which planned um which planted a good seed I guess and, and a, a nice little landmark to, to work towards so um by the end of that kind of two-year period I was good to go right and how old are you now Ed 33 right so you yeah you I mean you you started your business at what was it, 28, 29, something like that? Yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's it's comfortable. It's, it's a punchy punchy age to do it. I think I was similar, I was 30, just turned 30. So I'm just mm. turned 36, which depresses me a little bit. But um, <laughs> I don't know, I think that period of time in your late 20s, early 30s is, is 
you've worked for other people. You've picked up so much information, your knowledge. Yeah. I don't know about you. At that point, I had, I'd just bought a house, but I didn't have any other real responsibilities. Yeah. You kind of, what's the worst that can happen? I'll just go back and get a fucking job. I, I can build it. It's fine. So you kind of, you've got this window, haven't you? I think of a period where you've got to make some, you've got to do something if you're in, if you've got that mindset. If you, I think if you wait to 35, 40 as a, and stay in an agency, you mm. then need to go down a different route, which I'm, I mean, I've actually interviewed in the last month or two at the end of the season five, you probably listen like, like people like Tony Phoenix Coles, um, R Roger R van der Roop, um, so Roop van der Voort from PCN. I'm also, I've got a couple coming on this season who manage really big fucking agencies, but all of them had that kind of 30 to four or well, 30 to 35 period where they, they got into that management layer and got, I mean, they're, they're going to be doing really fucking well. Yeah. It's a different route to wealth and I, and the, I don't discredit it, but if you've got that entrepreneurial flair, I think that time, there's a period of time in there. You can just feel it. Yeah. I think it was, you know, that, itch that I just had to scratch as well you know in, in the space where you know you had become an expert and, and quite well known in so uh it was always the plan it was always the plan and did so, you know ruth you said you met ruth at morgan mckinley so you yes. were was she working with you in your previous in the agency you went to in between uh so she came across to that agency as well yeah, yeah. so uh, and one of our, our directors in phoenix was also working there so we all we all knew each other uh i'd say to, to a degree so that certainly helped and probably joined that particular uh, small that agency. In Dublin then, or in, Lo in Limerick? Yeah, Dublin. Yeah, you move, we actually did you move over? Say again? Did you move to Dublin or is it commutable? No, so I, I moved to Dublin. So I, I've recently just moved back to Limerick in the last 12 months and I spent five, six years in, in Dublin. So um, so yeah, Miss Miss Dublin, it's, uh, it's a great city. It's a great city, place. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's just not cost effective at the moment so yeah. i have a small small baby now four months old so i gotta think of bigger things as well um yeah, yeah. i like it it's a bit like me I, I was in london for nine years now i'm in sheffield which is not as glamorous i love it actually in <laughs> fact you know you got the, the got the peak district within 10 minutes of my house you know cost wise it's so much more achievable yeah. to do what you want to do but you can be in london in two hours on the train direct you can yeah. be in manchester in one hour direct it's Keep the, the the actual location is brilliant for for being around for being at places. Yeah. Um, what? So tell me then. So what was the? When did you know? Right, we're going. What? And how long did it take from the second that you and Ruth were like, right, let's go now, to actually starting the business? Yeah. So Ruth was actually um, pregnant at the time that I left. So she was she was planning on on staying really. Um, for for me. Like the ending wasn't what you would have hoped with, with that particular agency. You know, I think there was a point in time where, you know, I was pushing for bigger things. They probably had said that that was the case, but then realized maybe it wasn't or, you know, so kind of came to a, a natural, pretty abrupt end, I would say, which was right. tricky. But, you know, that little push uh, was probably what I needed as well, you know, mm. and, um, I was kind of backed into to a bit of a corner so i had to make it work which was great and i think that's probably not the healthiest fuel to to use i would say um but it, it definitely got me out there and, and moving pretty quickly uh under phoenix which was great and he's feeling um, the whole ashes rising analogy or is it yeah like i mean that's that's obviously what it is right but it's um you you know right it's the hardest bloody thing that you'll ever do is trying to come up with names i had like like Aston this and 
quality brands and trying to merge them together. And I had like huge sheets of paper. And, you know, I think it was my dad just said, well, just call it Phoenix. And I was like, I like that's quite strong. So um, that's where I came from. Right. You know, uh, yeah. I don't put too much emphasis on it. You know, like what's McDonald's? You know, it's a, it's a name. It's a surname. So it's have, you, have you ever seen the story of McDonald's, that film? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. He talked about the, it's like the most American family. It's like everyone... Yeah, everyone, every family relates to McDonald's. Like, so yeah. they are the McDonald's, and I kind of, I did get that. I think it's one of those names that I think people are like. Yeah, you can trust a McDonald's. Like, it's a yeah. staple American name, and I think that was what they were going with, wasn't they? Yeah, um, and, and you know, people grew into that though, right? So it didn't just click straight away. No. So Phoenix um, is memorable though. Like, Phoenix is a, yeah. one of those names where it stands out. I think it's kind of like punchy, it's strong, like you said. It's uh, it's not a name you're gonna forget. Phoenix recruitment, like Phoenix. Yeah, Sarah. and that's that's. Um, I guess that was probably the the byproduct of it. You know, it wasn't. I just liked it. It was short, snappy, kind of memorable. And what was uh, the plan then? Because I get the vibe that you had a. Yeah. You probably had a big vision at the start. Some yeah. people, like me, really, when I was setting up, probably didn't really think that far ahead. It was like, yeah. you know, can we make the first year of revenue? Yeah. And 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 we'll take it from there. Whereas you strike me as you probably had a bit bigger thoughts at the start than that. Yeah. So the the, the grand plan, I guess. So we still lived and 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 breathed all of that pain of getting every fee in the door so we could survive. But you know, the grand plan was always to basically build a um, an international recruitment brand headquartered in Ireland, uh, which I guess no one has ever seen before. You know, there's obviously some amazing brands in. in in, in Ireland, uh, an Irish headquarter brands like CPL and Morgan McKinley, you know, incredible companies. Um, but for us, it was, you know, UK, Europe and US was going to be a big landing ground for, for us, you know. Um, and, and a big thing for, for us as a core leadership team was to try and elevate the, the levels of service that we unfortunately see in, in our sector. And, you know, a lot of the the team have professional backgrounds and if you sit down with a, a big four or top law firm you know there's a level of service that you would expect um for what you um for what you pay for there so um recruitment is one of these strange industries it's an amazing amazing industry but unfortunately we let ourselves down quite a lot with the levels of service that we we hear about anecdotally or hear about when we're talking to clients about working with competitors and then this kind of stuff so for us that's really at the core of what we're doing is to elevate the level of of service for our industry and um you know it's it's bringing that kind of professional services background and expectation into uh recruitment um which you know is is very important to us makes sense and when it comes to recruitment what's your kind of again it's quite a big question but what's your philosophy for building an agency like do you have like a philosophy or methodology that you you live by that like this is how you do it like some people go down the 360 route some are going like 180 or some are talking mm. about like 240 or whatever they are now where you have a bd account management and resourcing mm. um i was trained in a 360 contract and perm split the business down the middle yeah. you know fast pace slow pace blah, blah. and then it was the back end of my time they, they did change it all to be in this new business and i i'd left but i was leaving at that point so i never actually worked in it um but I don't think I could start a recruitment firm in a way that I, in a different way than I was brought up, because it's how I know it. Yeah. So what, how would you? How do you see it? And and as a result, you've built forty five people and, and have a grand plans. Yeah, it's 
it's uh, same as you 360 um eat what you kill you know get out there win your clients place the jobs find the candidates in between it's 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 been always that to, to me i've always been perm never contract right um so you know that uh, from 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 our side we, we've tried different models you know we've implemented delivery consultant levels which were candidate focused but that's you know a point in time where you're giving them real tangible experience dealing with candidates um and and some exposure to, to clients uh with a view to getting them into a recruitment consultant role you know i think there's been a lot of learnings around that for for us um we probably tried to, to hire people that were very candidate focused you know and then suddenly make them a salesperson which is very hard to do um so we've we've recently kind of changed that again to 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 go back to recruitment consultant but you know it's a recruitment consultant title but the first three months are you know gradual uh, development into um candidates and then more commercial stuff as well so probably is more 360 but we have a big emphasis on from our, our management level upwards that they're the people that do the most commercial work so like strategic business development you know we have obviously the advantage of multiple offices now and what as well so if we have a, a big client in london you know handled by emir who heads up our, our london office and they have a, a dublin operation you know we're, we're we're all trying to sell for each other so um it goes back to that elevated level of of experience um in recruitment uh, and and service so we we want to make sure that our experts are the ones that our clients deal with to the point where you know our consultants behind us become experts as well it, it's it goes back to professional services like we've seen it before like you, you you don't hear of the most junior people in a big four accountancy firm dealing directly with a ceo of a business or a head of hr for a business right but recruitment is oddly just one of those uh, industries where everyone does everything at all levels and, and expected to get the same results where for us it just needed to be a bit more strategic especially when you're building a brand and a reputation behind that too um we wanted to make sure that because we have these experts and professionally qualified people that they were the lead for for a lot of our strategic business development to win these projects and then our recruitment consultants will get exposure to that in time yeah what what do you see what would you what do you see in the first year then so obviously you've got this vision but it's just you like yes. how much do you stick to your vision in that year and how much do you have to kind of fucking make it work in any way shape or form uh make it work in every way shape or form it was um party time when you were winning 5k 5k deals you know it was just me it was survive uh, and get to a point where you know we could potentially hire s some more people and I know you mentioned obviously our, our, our recent fundraise, but I was lucky to to get a, a small investor in. You know, I kind of painted the vision to him over lunch without being a, a, a sell. Um, very well known guy, very wealthy guy, and has a number of investments. And you know, the way he said it was, you know, I'd back you if you were selling ice creams at the end of a pier. So um, I'm I'm with you. Um, it was a small amount, you know. Um, it really only got a few people in the door from a salary perspective, but it just accelerated things a little bit. Um, and it made it, um, I guess, that vision a little bit more realistic, right? But, you know, you leave that lunch, you're back into the office, you're chasing invoices again and trying to, to get CVs out the door. So nothing really changed that first year was survival. There's, there's no doubt about that at all. You know, up until probably very recently, it's 
that feeling is only kind of left a little bit. Yeah. You know, there's still that paranoia. What did you yourself headcount wise at the end of year one? And what sort of numbers did you do? So we were at three people, I think, end of year one um, with Ruth and, and David, the director, joining in like September. So I think it was like 250, 300 or something like that, mostly yeah. from, from me. Yeah. Um, so year two, I think we had two or three extra starters, um, you know, and that was start of 2020, which was our full first f- full year together. Um, what a year to, 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 to get together and, and start putting world domination plans in place. Um, we got to about 10 people by the end of, of that right, year. Well. Yeah. With about How did you find being so young in that as a business in when go walking into COVID, like what, how did that either benefit or hinder you? Do you think? Initially it was total, it, it was total fear really. Like, I mean, we, we had, we had busy amount of projects on, we had, you know, some clients that had 15, 20, 25 roles with us. Um, and suddenly you're getting phone calls saying we can't deal with you. And I don't know if we ever will again, because this is after happening. So, you're just seeing all your, your hard work basically disintegrate in front of your face, which is very, very hard. Um, one thing I'm <clears throat> pretty proud of us as a leadership team is, you know, when stuff like that happens and hopefully it'll never happen again, but we, we don't tend to panic that much. It's find a logical route out of it and, um, you know, get a plan in place and then just execute on the plan. So like for us, it was one of the best pieces of advice that I got at that period is if, and we were small enough to do so, right? I guess there was only six, seven people in the business at the stage. So we didn't reduce salaries. We didn't re- reduce commissions. Uh, we brought everyone together. We got a real fighting spirit going. And obviously we were working from home as well. So um, probably similar to yourself, Sean, you know, we, we, we just knuckled down and, and got to work and fought, fought our way through it. And, you know, as we got a bit more success and we found that the areas that we typically recruit in, like financial services, was was pretty stable. You know, once people figured out that they could work from home and they could do it pretty effectively, then it, it was kind of game on again, really, you know. Um, I like more- August, that August, September, everyone sort of figured it out, didn't they? It was like... Yeah, and I think even before that for us, we, we had, we saw a lot of agencies panic, which was totally understandable. We saw a lot of really good people come back into the market and haven't been let go. And, you know, a lot of sizable enough agencies, which is, you know, owned and led by one person or, or two people, they let some really good people go. Um, and not furloughed, they were, they were let go, um, redundant or whatever. So we were a little bit brave, I think, at that stage. And we, we managed to pick up quite a few. So we went from six, five or six to 10 people, you know, that was a pretty experienced team at that stage. Yeah. It gave us what we call our, our pillars to, you know, multiply the business from 10 to 40 pretty quickly then because we had potential leaders in the business that were were, were really good um, and they hit the ground running. And, you know, w- one thing led to another, um, obviously a lower cost base working from home and, and, and all of these things played to our favor. So we were actually really healthy coming out of, that initial save, save some money in COVID and put some away and put yeah. yourself in good shape. Yeah, obviously very very tough period, right? And and horrific in a, in a lot of ways. But for for us as a business in terms of survival, we actually probably thrived a little bit, probably really, yeah, probably really. which was good. So going into twenty twenty one, then, which was a funny old start to the year because yeah, COVID kind of, COVID kind of reared its ugly head, didn't it? 
um, with the, um, was it Omicron? No, it wasn't Omicron. That was 2020. Was it Omicron? I think so. I can't remember. It was just, all I know is it was, or was it the Delta variant? It was a Delta variant, I think. Delta, there you go. Delta, yeah. wasn't it? And it went fucking mental. And we, mm. I remember moving to Manchester, got this flat and paid for this accommodation with like gym and, you know, it's got all these football pitches and facilities and then it all just got shut within a week in November. And I was like, fuck. And it didn't come, it didn't open till April. Mm. Um, but again, I think the economy was booming. So like everyone I was talking to was still doing really, really well at that point. Yeah. How did... So what, what changes did you see as a, from you as a business owner when you go from 10 and as you just said, you've just built, you've, you found some really strong, solid foundational people mm. that you go, what, what do you do next to then, to then turn on that, right, we're going to go to 40? Because not many recruitment agencies actually break past 10 and stay past 10. They, they kind of yeah. hop and boy, boy up and down at that point. Yeah, so like the, the vision has never really changed for us. So I think... You know, if you, you talk to the even the, the earliest joiners of the business, which a lot of them are still with us, um, what, we, what we talk about now, maybe a little bit more refined in terms of numbers and, and that kind of stuff. But overall, the vision is, has remained the same. So, you know, I think the, the guys that have joined the team in the last couple of years, even during COVID, was, um, was partly down to the vision that we had and obviously the quality of backgrounds that we had as well, which was obviously great. Um, we also set up London in the middle of 2020 so we we hired a mayor um november 2020 so we launched london then uh we actually couldn't even get to london to interview him which was crazy so wow. what we actually ended up doing was we flew a mayor to belfast which is obviously uk soil mm-hmm. and we drove from dublin to belfast um which we could at that time uh, and we uh hotels were open in belfast they weren't in ireland um, right. And uh, we uh, we went for dinner and met him, but that was like you know third or fourth conversation that we had with him, and that's that's where we we decided to do it. So it was loads of workarounds, loads of workarounds. Um, Why did London. you think there was a need to have a footprint in Dublin, in London, when you you grow in nicely in Dublin? Why open in London? Um, a lot of crossover with, with clients. Um, you know, a lot of companies that we work with were beginning to ask, "Do you do London as well?" and you know, just liked how, how we did things. You know, obviously, a lot of HR talent acquisition acquisition teams are, are centralized in London too. So, you know, due to Brexit, we were seeing a lot of UK companies set up in Ireland, which yeah. we um, managed to, to win a, a lot of those projects, which is great. And on the back of that, they were asking us, are we in London? So it was always part of the plan anyway. Um, it just probably happened sooner than anticipated. But, you know, total confidence that, when we met him here, he was going to be the guy to do it for us. So, and with us, um, and uh, it's worked out really well. Like the guys are, I think, nearly 14, 15 people now since then. Uh, haven't been just two people December last year. So that's wow. accelerated pretty quickly as well. Um, do, they, we could, do they focus on UK clients, UK candidates? You focus yeah, on you, Irish clients, you, Irish candidates. Yeah, and we, we, we do a lot of US work from Ireland as well. Right. So, but... 20 25% of, of our work is, is US focused from here. Um, and again, that's kind of next phase. Of- I read that in the press release that you're looking to, it's going to be substantial now, but in the future, you see a much smaller percentage of your business being Irish business and it's going to all, it's going to migrate towards the US. Yeah, has to. I mean, we want the Irish business to be sizable, but by far the, 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 the smallest part of the business. Just um, based on size of economy of the, of the regions you're going after, right? Yeah. 
exactly. London's huge. Um, obviously, Europe is is on the radar as well. Um, but the US, I mean, US is 50 different countries, right? So it's opportunity is huge. Um, so we'll start small um, and then we'll we'll go from there. I'm interrupting today's episode to mention our sponsor. Talent Ticker are here to help everyone who are in such a candidate short market, right? So if you're looking to grow your recruitment business in 2022, you know candidates are important and Talent Ticker are here to help. What they do is they help recruiters work smart and not hard. They've got over 300 agency clients, recruitment agency businesses that use Talentica, and that helps them connect to the right person at the right time for the right reason. Okay, it also automates a lot of monotonous tasks we use and provides simple tools to identify ideal and off-the-grid candidates, people that are under the radar for open roles. So if you like the sound of finding more deeper level talent that's not exclusively on LinkedIn, for example, then get over to www.get.talentticker.ai forward slash Hoxo. You'll find the link in the episode. Go and take advantage of the special offer they've got on there for our listeners. You start growing London. What's your role like at this point? So you've now got a head of London. Uh, is Ruth back at, Is Ruth back from maternity? No, just gone. So she baby Lucy about... Five, six weeks ago. So, but in 2021, though, when you hired Amir, was she back? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. She was back. So, yeah. Ruth, Ruth came into the business around September 2019. So, she, she had, you know, quite a bit of, of time under the belt at that stage uh, in, in Phoenix. Um, and she yeah, was a big part of it, obviously, in terms of the, the growth story. So, both of us um, ha- had met Amir and, and hired him to, to launch London um, at that stage. Yeah. And what's the different? How did your role evolve? In that, um, you know, we, we had our own specific areas of focus. Like my background would have been accountancy and finance, appointments, professional services, where Ruth would have been obviously given her background as a lawyer. Um, she would have been on the the legal side, um, and that's a big part of our business. Still, it's 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 a major part of our business. Um, so we were always complementary in that regard. You know, running a business of that size and scale is pretty easy once you kind of get the right structures in place um now it's evolving 100 percent, like no doubt about it my my role is um still do the odd exec search and, and that kind of stuff but it's really more about implementing the the strategy and uh, even at the time of you know when we opened up london we were starting to migrate a little bit more towards being commercial uh, and strategic and, and roots maybe more on the operation side but even at that stage because it was covid we were pretty pretty tight on, on recruiting still, you know, just so we could get revenue into the business and, and keep growing. So what, at what point did you decide, right, we're going to take a million euros? Like, how did that come about? Um, so we had obviously our vision after a certain point of time where we, we wanted to grow. Um, you know, we were pretty stable as a business, but to accelerate the growth was going to co- uh, cost a, a lot, obviously, and you needed the cash to do so just to get that big jump from you know, 15 to 60, you know, or, or whatever it is. Um, so we explored different options. We had advisors that worked with us. We got a um, few offers from, from London, from, you know, uh, credit funds and, and banks. Uh, we were uh, successful in, in um, getting a, a seven-figure uh, amount from the European Investment Bank, which was deployed to, through Irish uh, banks. Irish banks are still very conservative, so the terms and conditions attached to it were pretty stringent. 
um, quite restrictive in terms of what we could use to grow the business. Um, and really at a, a board meeting with, with our investor who was there from the start, he looked over the term sheet and said, you shouldn't do this. You know, I'll, I'll come with you again. I, I believe in where you're going and the success that you've had in, in recent years has been amazing. So it's been great. You know, it's, it's kept it in house. It's with same guy, same guy and doubling down. so did he make yeah. his money in recruitment as well? Or? No. So uh, he's a number of different businesses in the auto space. He's a leasing business, finance companies, loads of different right. things. So, um, but good, good, good guy, really good guy to us. And, and, Someone that we lean on quite a lot for advice to. So did he? Was he taking more equity at that point? Is that what he no. wanted? No, 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 not at that stage. So and and, and the, the equity remains the same, which is which is great. Does he, want, so, does he just want a return on his money, basically? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's a, a a strict plan in place, I guess. 18, 24 months time. Once we get past that hundred plus, uh, hundred and twenty plus um, headcount, we would probably need. Uh, additional funding to to go to that two fifty plus uh, level, and obviously continue the, the the global growth. Um, hopefully we 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 may not need it, but you know it's it's more than likely going to be um uh, an external investor that comes in. Um, hopefully like a private equity fund or family office or something like that, which comes in and and supports that growth. Without, without the million, how quick? Like when it with the EBIT you're generating, what? How yeah. quick could you grow the business? Like, was there still enough cash to move it? Maybe. Yeah, there there is. I, I guess in the in the short term, recruitment, especially perm recruitment, which is what we do primarily, we're starting to step into the contracting piece now. But you know, it's 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 clunky, right? You know, you're 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 yeah, exactly. You're waiting for fees. It's it's um, we're lucky that we don't have too many dropouts and stuff like that. But you know, it might be from the point of recognizing the revenue to to getting the cash in. You know couple of months you know number of months so it's really just to to bridge that gap um to to allow us to keep keep growing the way we're going um but yeah we could still grow the business pretty comfortably on, on what we have and what we sit on right now but it's really just to execute on the plan that we have is why we, we went to market all right so my, what's going through my head is how do you go from 45 to 100 rapidly and maintain quality yeah maintain the the, the the customer service levels like, what's your strategy? Or how are you going to do that? Yeah, so we built back office first, I guess. So we've um, full L&D team, talent acquisition team. We have a finance function, finance manager. We have an operations team. We're starting to build a, a revenue operations team as well. Um, we've implemented, you know, the likes of data analytics, which allows our managers to be more informed in training their underground team. Mm. Um, but our... A lot of it hinges on our talent acquisition L and D. So um, we were really lucky to hire uh, Jean, who who heads up that function. Her background is recruitment. She actually worked with me and Ruth in Morgan McKinley, um, and she's moved into L and D the last number of years for another agency. And she's come in and totally shaped that. So you know, everyone that joins, even from last year, midway through last year, everyone that joined had a six week program every minute of every day accounted for, you know, expectations really clear, um, um, sales playbooks, this is how you communicate about Phoenix, um, you know, different scenarios, there's different calls that they have to listen through um, as well, just to get familiar with different challenges and objections. So um, all of that is really embedded very early. Uh, we, we use TRN as well, which mm -hmm. are, are, it's an amazing platform for, for us. Um, 
So every person from the most junior person in the business all the way to myself and Ruth have a learning and development program all, all year round. Um, so we're always trying to push ourselves on to the next level and learn more. Um, so we built the back office first. So whether we were onboarding 10 people or 100 people in one go, the system was the system. Um, and we have the, the resource now to make, be able to make that happen. So that was probably you know, for a business of our size, headcount wise at that stage was probably- People would say that was over the top, wouldn't they? Like, they'd be like, you yeah. fucking, you've invested a lot here in your back office, what you're doing kind of thing. Yeah. You, yeah, you've done it for a reason. Exactly. Like nonsensical if we wanted to be just a 35, 40 plus um, person business, right? Um, but but we're getting ready for, for the next stage of, of growth. So, you know, next year we'll be, we'll be, onboarding five to ten people every month pretty much where are you going to get them from where's your strategy for people because that's everyone knows it's always been challenging but right now fuck me there's literally nightmare to get people in our space yeah so doing all these podcasts helps so this, <laughs> this, is, this is the hiring strategy uh come on no, get on there get in with them yeah, but seriously yeah. what is your strategy yeah. um uh, you know it's 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 not doable to you can't scale a business the way that we want without having a blend of, of different levels and you know a lot of our recent hires are graduate maybe one two years experience um so that's why our learning and development and onboarding programs need to be so strong um and a lot of our recent hires have been at that level right so that's kind of where our headcount growth will, will more than likely come from it goes back to the right people leading those divisions and teams they're the experts they'll impart their knowledge they will obviously lead that team and that function to to grow um, substantially, um, but it's going to be a, a mix. We, we've no interest in suddenly setting up um, construction division, you know, or uh, random healthcare division. So that's that's not really going to be what what we want to do. We want to stay specialist, um, but our growth is going to come from global growth. So that end figure of of two fifty plus has two to three US offices. UK, there's two Irish offices, there's multiple European is it, offices. Is it a graduate trainee model? Is that what you're going to go down? For the most part, yeah. Obviously, there's experienced hires and leaders that will be required in different locations for that. But for the most part, it is, um, it's going to be graduate, um, early early career goers. How long do you see when you bring someone in, on, on average, before they start to make a return for you? Like, what's the kind of run rate where you've, you know, you're spending yeah. on these people? And what's your kind of expectation of how many do you have to hire for for the for, for one successful person? Like, what's your kind of have you yeah. thought about ratios in those two areas? Yeah, so we we actually only did it last week. We have on average about ten percent turnover to date, which is obviously quite Strong. low. Yeah, it's quite low. Um, I think there's a couple of reasons behind that. You know, I think maybe we've been a little slow to let to let non-performers go at, at certain stages, but we haven't had many of those, thankfully. Um, to get them ramped up and ready to go um, three months, you know, it's kind of, we, we had two people last week, one deal each in the first four weeks, you know, never done recruitment before. Uh, we had someone who's still with us, uh, does a lot of US recruitment, you know, did five, six, seven deals in the first three or four months that they were with us, never done recruitment before. So is that you know, just candidate sourcing though? Like they're just fine. Someone else has brought the job in. No mixture mixture yeah. like they're dealing with clients they're, they're getting up to speed um we, we, we try and hire you know high quality individuals i know that sounds kind of odd to say because it's obvious but you know people that 
one question we always ask, can you see them sitting down and talking to a CEO once they have all the knowledge and skills to do so? And I think that's that's an important thing for us. Um, you obviously didn't have career changers. You know, we've hired people from banking and FS to come into that team. Our financial services division, you know, there's multiple people there that have worked in insurance on the risk compliance side. They do risk compliance recruitment. So, you know, there's various people in the business that are coming in with a bit more experience to get them up to speed quickly. But from a pure graduate level, like we, we typically can get them up and running within two or three months. Like it. Like it. What? So what's the biggest what's the biggest fear you have in your brain right now? So you're looking at this fucking beast of a of a plan and you've took this money and you things are going well, but that does not come without anxiety, stress and fear. Like that I don't believe it, right? So what tell me yeah. what what do you worry about? Like what keeps you up at night? What what could go wrong? Like what sort of things do you do you play in your brain when you're on your own or whatever? Um, I think it's definitely changed. Definitely changed. We've we probably got to a point where we can make better quality long-term decisions now. You know, I think in that first couple of years, as you know, you're scrapping. You know, you're you're, you're trying to get as much as you can done in all ways to kind of keep the business alive and and moving forward. Where you know, we can make better strategic, longer term decisions now. You know, we're talking about what divisions within IT contracting, for example, or contracting do we need to get a leader into? So they're better quality strategic conversations. Um, what keeps me up at night is my baby, probably <laughs> four months old. So that's probably one thing. But um, yeah, I think there's always an element of fear of failure, you know, Um call it imposter syndrome everyone we always say there's there's we're all doing a job we've never done before so yeah we've got to learn um we've been really lucky that we've got some amazing board of advisors or advisors to, to join that board um you know we have private equity um professionals that have come in and you know they're getting us ready for the next stage and making sure what we're doing with the the recent fundraisers is, is sensible um and obviously we have Giles. So Giles um, is ex-deputy uh, CEO of Robert Walters globally. So, you know, he was part of the first 30 people in Robert Walters in London when they were doing recently qualified accounting hires. And he exited. What is, what's, what, what is it actually like having someone like that? What value do they bring? Um, he's probably one of the most humble people you'll ever meet. Um, you know, we spoke to him, we were introduced to him and um, just hit it off. And obviously he's approached quite a bit. Um, as crazy as our plans were, you know, he saw the difference between even myself and Ruth. And, you know, he said that I think you've the smarts, maybe more importantly, the, the balls to try and pull this off. So um, so he, he, he's been amazing to, to us so far. It's, it's, you know, only a few months into that relationship, but when you spend five, six hours debating something in your head, you know, I can ring him and he just go, no, do it this way. Right. And he's not imposing. He'd say, you know, he's, he's seen it when he left, it was four, four and a half thousand people, Robert Walters, you know, um, 60 yeah. different offices, however many different countries. He's seen it. Yeah. He's seen it. He's seen it. Right. And he's seen it at pace too, obviously over a long period of time, but you know, just launching new offices into to new continents, you know, um, saving time time is what we don't have any more of right so 
we, we could debate myself and, and Ruth and the leadership team for a week about one decision, you know, come up with an answer that we think is right. And then within the first 30 seconds of speaking to someone like him, you've realized that you've got it totally wrong and you need to change it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. And there's been multiple pivots in our business already because of that, which has made us a lot better, um, a lot a lot better to scale as, as, as well, I'd, I'd say, you know. So just the quality of decision-making is is huge. Um, and outside of that, he's a great guy to, to, to deal with, you know, so. That helps. That helps. It does. And what's it like being a newly, you know, new father at the same time as going through, a, you know, million euro investment round and, and all mm. the things you're doing? Like, it's insane amount of work you're going through as well as, trying to be a parent husband yeah. all the things that you know I, I, I this season we're going to talk about in a minute is more about is, is uh, the recession reality is something i want to talk mm. about but i never want to forget that mental physical emotional part of being a human being as well as an owner sure how do you how do you balance it what's your and, and how does it feel to do the two things that you do yeah it, it's it's incredibly hard i don't think you know, there's unfortunately sacrifices that need to be made that are difficult to 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 stomach at times. It's it's we've moved out of Dublin, which is obviously where yeah. our main office is. We have an office in Limerick, which is brilliant. Um, but I equally need to be in both as well as London. You know, uh, we're traveling, been to the US like three times already this year in preparation mm -hmm. for that. So it's tricky. It's very, very tricky. Um, I think when I'm at home, I need to be at home, you know, and I think that's something that I've had to learn uh, pretty, pretty quickly. Um, what does that mean, though? Like, yeah, what does that actually mean? Away, away from my phone, you know, not taking too many calls, if any. You know, this week, for example, um, we, we went down to a coastal town in 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 Ireland. Um, just the three of us and, and her family. Um, I was still doing an hour or two here and there on the phone, but I was present, you know, I was there. We're going for swims, we're going for walks. So, you know, getting that quality time, even with him as well, is really important. Um, and you just don't want to be that that absent dad, right? How far, how often are you away? Probably two, three nights a week. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's a lot, do I guess. Enjoy, do you enjoy that part of the job? Um, I do, you know, I, I'm, I'm, um, I, I didn't really like COVID. I, I, I felt it took the best parts of recruitment out of recruitment for me. You know, I love being on the floor, having fun to a degree, you know, seeing the, the momentum, the energy, you know, celebrating the small wins. I, I love that, you know, and I get a bit of FOMO if, if, you know, I'm in the Limerick office and the Dublin office have done something amazing. And I'm like, oh, that'd be brilliant to bring him for lunch. And likewise in, in London. So um, I do try and be present as much as possible. I think that's important anyway. Um, you want to have some sort of a, a relationship with as many people as possible, you know, in the business. Um, so that's one thing that I do kind of take quite seriously. Um, but yeah, it has to be a balance. Uh, and it's hard to get that balance right, really hard. Um, but I think I think I'm getting it. <laughs> yeah, I think hopefully. Mine's been. I've had a funny year because obviously I've lived with. I only moved in with my stepkids in September last year, so it's been a year now. Um, yeah. And I've tried to. I probably haven't been to London as much as I used to, like to for work. I've not obviously COVID stopped it, but then probably gone once a month on average. Mm. Um, and it's funny though because we're remote. 
my part of the, me and I'm kind of split the business. My part of the business, the academy where I focus most yeah. of my time is, is very remote. So I've got one in Chesterfield, one in Manchester, one in, um, so that I'm in Sheffield. So we're with it. We're all close. And then you've got three in, in South Africa and one in Portugal. So there's no, London actually has no impact on my day. So yeah. Amma's, but Amma's business, which is the bigger side where we've got 30 employees or whatever, they're all majority, I mean, the half South Africa, half London, basically. There's one in Portugal. So he's down there. He's doing that. But I yeah. get that. I personally feel so much FOMO and guilt that mm -hmm. I'm not. But then that, the strategy we've designed has enabled him to grow and he's taken that on and he's doing a phenomenal job. And he's, he's yeah. we, we are co-CEOs really now. I mean, you call it COO, CEO, but realistically, we're both doing a similar job for two brands. I'm just more outward facing. He's a bit more inward facing when it comes to the, yeah. the shit we share. But I know that feeling. But I feel like now, you know, this year, I've, I've tried to balance travel with work and travel to go to South Africa and see my team, but also take my family away. Yeah, like I'm going to LA for work in September, but then I'm getting married in Turkey in October with everyone I know and my family, right? And then, mm. so I'm trying to like balance one after the other, but I don't know. I always feel like I'm getting it wrong. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there is a, a right answer. I just, you know, where where it needs to be family time, it's family time. And, you know, where it absolutely needs, I think communication is a big part of it for, for me. You know, I try on a Sunday to plan my week ahead and let, um, my wife know where, where I'm going to be and and why. I think more importantly is 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 the big thing. I certainly yeah. don't want it ever to feel like I'm I'm running away from home to get away yeah, from. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, and usually there is really good rationale to to why I need to be in certain cities. So, um, but it's a balancing act. I don't think there's there's a, a silver bullet answer to to getting it right. It's situational, you know. For sure. Well, so let's talk about the recession for the next five ten minutes and what. Obviously, this season, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, I want to get away from scaremongering tactics. I want to get away from just talking about the word recession. I want to just genuinely find out every week from people like you what the fuck's going on in your business. Is it really happening? Are you seeing it? Are you not? So tell me right now, September 2022, what what's the reality of the impact, economic impact on your business? What are you seeing? Um. Mixed, mixed bag, I would say. I think, you know, financial services, investment banking, professional services, still very busy. Um, we do a lot within tech. Obviously, that's taken a bit of a, a beating in the last number of months. So is it, um, is it, is it tech widespread or is it certain brands that are like, you know, Spotify or whatever that are letting people go? Like, how have you, is, yeah. it, is it across technology agnostically? There's, what, what have you seen there? So mostly it's it's SaaS or, or fintech solutions, right? So we have a, a mixture of, of brands, you know, that are on the revenue-based financing space. They lend money to e-commerce companies. We've data analytics companies that are sold as as a, a SaaS. Um, and, you know, everything from healthcare um, um, technology solutions as well. So it's pretty wide. Um, I think the ones where we've seen the, the, the most... Um, recession-like uh, trends is is around fintech. You know, you've obviously read the likes of Klarna, you know, and their valuation dropping from 45 billion to like six. Um, but, you know, we do a lot within the, the VC and private equity space as well. So I'm always interested and curious how those conversations are, are trending too. And, you know, we have them, or I have them quite regularly. So what I've, I'm not an economist, but, you know, from from what I've, I've picked up, there's obviously been a period of time 
2020-2021 where valuations were super high and you know money was was very very easy um obviously that's going to be um a lot tighter you know but there's a lot of of capital in the market that still needs to be deployed right so you know vc funds and, and private equity funds they're not there to to hold money they're, they're there to deploy it right so um how they deploy it and who they deploy it to is going to be uh, a lot stricter I, I would say um but there is a lot of capital you know you obviously worked through the the global financial crisis that was a, a total breakdown of of the financial system you know where capital just wasn't available yeah, yeah, yeah. so capital still is available and um, obviously there's inflation and, and that to, to be tackled with but you know i do some stocks and shares not much really i mean the the, the guys in, in our team do a lot of it actually but you you look at the the stock markets currently yeah but even right now you know pre-covid the FTSE 100 in the UK, you know, it thinks a couple of a percent ahead of where it was pre-COVID, right? And the US, I think the S&P 500 is still 25, 30% ahead of where it was in, in pre-COVID. So, you know, it's certainly been a, a correction, in my opinion, personally, I think it was it was definitely needed. You know, it seemed like <clears throat> if you had a decent idea or, or dreamt of an idea, you were going to get a couple of million quid for to try and see if you can make it work, right? So now it's it's back to where it probably should be in my opinion um so tech is probably the the main one that we've seen wobble um for every 100 redundancies that you read about on linkedin you know you're seeing 100 150 200 job announcements as well so it's still that kind of yo-yo uh market from what we've seen i think we're you, are you making any changes as a result are you starting to think right over the next six to 12 months economically we could see some challenge so we're going to do x y and z is there anything you've thought about based on what you're feeling now and what you're predicting for the future we've probably tempered our, our growth plans for certain divisions uh, but we see opportunity in, in other ones you know so tech sales tech marketing for example that was a, um, a pretty sizable growth plan that we had in place there for, for that you know now we've just switched to <clears throat> focusing on more data analytics and, and engineering you know and we've brought in a few additional heads into to that team with that expertise now too so yeah we are making slight adjustments and changes and and pivots or whatever you want to call it but um i do still believe that it's going to be a, a shorter lived recession than what we've seen previously um you know you're, you're talking about technical recessions from from what i'm reading and, and from what i'm hearing you know it might mean that gdp in ireland drops from seven to five percent do you know that's technically recession but recession, yeah it's it's still five percent growth year on year right so um hopefully that will be it but who knows you know i mean yeah. if you'd have told me that you'd be potentially looking at world war three and uh, oil and gas prices through the roof after going through covid i wouldn't have believed you so who yeah. knows who knows? who knows well like i said the point of this is to get the reality of where you are now and i think yeah. you've given us a good a good good piece of um information that I, I feel more confident as a result of. So thank you for that. And I hope people will get value from it. Um, so Ed, if you were gonna if you were gonna sit down one-on-one -on -one with someone who's in the first year of their recruitment business growth, maybe one or two people, let's say, let's say it's a partnership, because that's most common at the minute. Yeah. What what advice would you give? If they've got similar plans to you, they're saying we want to grow something. We don't want that smaller lifestyle business, which is absolutely fine, by the way. But they, yeah. they want that. What's advice you'd give them? 
advice i would probably test them on do they really 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 want to do it um because i think that's the difference a lot of the time people of course who wouldn't want to have a 100 million turnover business with seven offices and blah 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 um you know that sounds great but it, the journey to get even to a tenth of that is so incredibly hard um that you see a lot of people check out after a period of time and you know what was global domination suddenly becomes a, a lifestyle business and i think lifestyle business is is an amazing thing you know there's a lot more money to be made in that if you're good at it than what you're doing than what we're doing right and you know there's a lot of sacrifice from from our perspective as well you know we're very prudent um probably more so than than what you'd see in in other agencies from a, a leadership perspective you know regularly and we get happy by this we see plenty of consultants earning more money than than us um which is great but you know it's because we want to do what we want to do and that's always been the plan um i don't know if i'd do it again i'd say that much um just knowing how much time and effort and even health issues you know i i i collapsed on the the, the tram and, and the Lewis on the way to work one morning, you know, it was total exhaustion, burnt out, um, just woke up on the floor. People were screaming and shouting around me. It's, it's, um, it's levels of commitment that probably I didn't even foresee. Um, so I've probably skipped the question I asked you, but yeah. why, why do you want it? So you said they've got to work out if they really want it. You've worked mm. that out, but why, what, what's the point? What are you trying to achieve? And what's, what's the drive in that? Do you think? Um, well, it's a deep question. Um, probably because I'm not supposed to, I think. Simple as that. Uh, regional rural guy from, from Ireland that lived near a beach growing up, you know, it's it's why not? I, I, I said, oh, why not? You know, someone has a plan. Why can't if you do 10 it? 10 million or 100 million, what, what's the difference? In, in terms of turnover or? or no, just... in terms of your vision and, and, and drive, like, 10 million um, turnover is still an incredible business for, for a guy who's from is. the regional part of Ireland, right? Why only What's the point? Um, well, I mean, 100 million wasn't necessarily related to our business, mm. but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a plan. I think one thing I will say about us, if we have a plan and we've committed to it, it's going to happen, you know, and that's one of our values is execution. And if we say we're going to do it, we're going to be the team that actually goes and, and, and does it, you know, and I think that's, there's a, a commitment to everyone that's joined the business. I think at this stage, that's probably what fueled it. Initially, it was a bit of a an fu to 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 doubters and that kind of stuff, and that kind of fueled it for a while. But that's you know. But do you want do you want something material, or is there anything at the end of it that you're looking no. to achieve? No, I'm not motivated by money anymore. No. Not anymore. I, I, you know, when Morgan McKinley was highest biller, you know, you know, had the bought the house, bought the flash car. Not anymore, you know. It's um, yeah. I don't know. Legacy, as you call it, that that's a bit cheesy, is it? But it's it's. I want to stand at the um at the end of this and go, yeah, that was. And why not? It's just goes back to that, you know. I mean, you can always fall back and do, you know, a ten-person agency and make a lot of money. You know, that can always be done. But while we can, why not go for 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 what we want to do? So, I think it's um. It's a part of that, you know, and you're proving it to yourself as well. You know, spent a lot of time in, in sport and uh, and that it's outside of work, and you know, you're always looking for that extra edge and what's next and the next goal. And 
it kind of just self feeds. The next thing you're two years down the line, you go, wow, I didn't think I'd get to this point. Why not keep going? So um, we're constantly proving that this can be Didn't done. Didn't you ever be happy though? Didn't you ever be happy with what you've got? Um, we do a podcast um, as well, which I'm sure you've listened to loads, but um, <laughs> Everybody. a lot of entrepreneurs um, that we've had and well-known entrepreneurs in, in Ireland at least um, have been on it. And I don't think there's ever that moment you know, like people talk about the cocktail on the beach moment, but they couldn't think of anything worse a lot of times. And generally, you know, I get to a weekend and obviously I'm a lot busier now family wise, but I'm ready to go Sunday evening. Like I need to get back out there kind of thing. So um, two week holidays gives me anxiety. Um, it's I'm probably learning to switch off a bit more. Um, and I think it's important now, obviously, with with, with family and that. But um, yeah. It's it's I don't I don't know if I'll ever be happy with where we are right now because I think there's always something more can be done. I think everyone, if you ask anyone in the business, they'd probably say that about me. So I don't yeah. know if that's a good thing. So let's go back to the question I asked you before and we'll finish the podcast there. Sure. Let's say they agree we want this and they've got a reason and they're similar to you. What's the advice you give them to start building a genuine business that can do it as opposed to just bundling yeah. along with a big vision, but not going to achieve it. Sure. Um, in the initial 12 to 18 months, get on the tools yourself, I would say, because, you know, unless you plan to do what some agency have done and go from zero to a hundred in the first 12 months, in reality, if it's self-funded, it's going to be probably to 10 people, you know, and, and then 20 or 30 the next year and, and, and so forth. So, um, you know, it's going to involve you you, you recruiting pretty hard and, and showing people around you how, how to do it. Uh, and I was lucky I wasn't too far removed from that when we started Phoenix, so it was natural enough anyway. Um, and then after that point, you know, there comes a, a tipping point where you need to have your, your back office and operations as slick as your 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 sales site. Um, and I think that's something that we've learned pretty quickly. Um you got to have your back office running really well to make it possible to do the stuff like growth. If you're not getting your invoices in, if you're not, you know, if you don't have a, a proper billing system in place, you're not going to get paid on time. You're not going to be able to hire that person that you really want to right now. So, you know, operations is as important as the sales side from what we've seen. Um, and then, you know, bring in experts. That's, that's the big thing. You, you, you need to do everything in that first 12 to 18 months, but, probably means you're not going to be great at a lot of it but you know manage the basics well and then bring in experts like marketing you know finance l d you know people that are true experts that really live and breathe it and love doing it and usually that's the difference you know there's uh, l d programs that, that have been built built that you know i couldn't have ever done you know but they're there now because you brought in an expert you know you're bringing in finance qualified people to bring in new systems and have that moving forward. And, you know, that's that's the big difference. I think experts in back office, but then high quality training programs for people to learn quickly uh, and have clear goals for them. You know, people want to know what success looks like. Um, they want to get to a Friday afternoon and go, do you know what, I, I nailed this week. You know, I, I trust the process of, of what I'm doing and I know I'm going to get there. Where a lot of agencies you get, a lot of new people that are given a phone, laptop, best of luck. It's kind of like the Hunger Games, which is just not something that that we like uh, to see. So, 
uh, clarity around what good looks like, what success looks like, and, and building a, a strong back office should allow you to scale. I like it, mate. Practical and inspirational. Two words that come to mind when, when yeah. I've listened to you, which is, uh, and you are just that bloke from the, you know, the coast of Ireland who's, who, who shouldn't be doing it. And I get that point. I think I had that similar sort of mindset with my upbringing and where I'm from, but I don't know. I, I kind of don't personally have that hundred million. I don't, I don't know. I don't have that massive scale aspiration at this, at this point. I, I, I love, I love the continued growth, but I don't, I don't have that long-term end game plan that some entrepreneurs have. And maybe that's reflective in how I behave and what I do. We'll see. But wow, what you've done so far is incredible. You started after me, 2018, late 2018. I mean, mate, you should be so proud of yourself. Um, and I do believe a lot of people listening to this show will think the same. Some might want to work for you. Some might want to pick your brains. If someone does want to talk to you, I appreciate yeah, busy, but LinkedIn. Just drop your yeah. LinkedIn there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, amazing. Ed, thank you so much. Leo, you're going to be back on the show in the future. I want to see part two. I want to find out where you are on this journey. So in a year's time, September next year, 2023, where are you going to be? Just give me a final commitment and we'll see if you get there. Um, 100 plus people, one if not two offices in the US. In one um, year's time? In in one year's time. Fucking hell. Right, okay. Let's see. I'll get Let's you back see. on next year. Let's find out. Thanks, Sean. Been a pleasure. Thank you, mate. Thank you, as always, for listening to today's show. I truly, truly hope that you got value from it. That's the only reason I take time every week is to ensure that my audience, future and existing recruitment owners are learning from each other to make this industry that I love so much stronger. Today's episode was brought to you by Hoxo Media. I am the CEO and founder of Hoxo Media, and we are the world's leading content marketing and personal branding agency for recruitment businesses specifically. So we are working with over 200 agencies and 2,000 recruiters right now, both managing the brands, producing content, building written video podcast content for niche recruitment agencies all over the world, as well as coaching at a desk level individual recruiters in your businesses how to be better on LinkedIn. That's how to brand themselves. That's how to produce content. That's how to use the opportunity on LinkedIn to get traffic to their profiles and turn that into business. We're coaching people all over the world every single day. If any of that sounds of interest, please do visit www.hoxomedia.com or drop me, Sean Anderson, a personal message on LinkedIn. I would love to talk to you. I'll see you soon.